Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church. You like this? Thank you. There you go, mate. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, When you pray, Father, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in temptation. Good job, mate. Well done. You're really way better than your dad. Okay, you can take this with you and I'll take this off you, mate. Thank you very much. Good. But you want to keep that, do you? Maybe you can give it to dad when I've done it. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was a lovely reading, hey? So we're, we're doing that, as, you, as you're aware, I'm sure. We're going to the Lord's Prayer. And well, this is number six. And this is where we've got to. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so we <laughs> A heading. Well, the next slide, please, Charlie. Here's, here's how we're looking at it. This one part of the Lord's Prayer. This is, this is what's coming across to us. True free will is only found under the canopy of our Heavenly Father's perfect will. True free will is only found under the canopy of our Heavenly Father's perfect will. We, look, most of us have encountered this scenario in one way or another, whether we have kids or not. Um, you're trying to get your kid to do something, or your husband even. Okay, you're trying to get your kid to do something, and typically, when it's not of interest to them, what's their response? Yeah. Pardon? Yeah, either nothing or no. Uh, no. And, and, and that can be quite a strong assertive no, as the picture is suggesting there is no, I won't go. No, I don't want to. That's a typical one we hear, isn't it? No, I don't want to. So what's going on? Let me ask you. If you're dismantling that situation and just looking at it, uh, Trying to get to the bottom. What what is happening there? What are we witnessing? How would you how would you describe that? How would you describe your everyday experience? <laughs> okay. How would you describe that? 
Yeah. You've got a you've got a clash of wills, haven't you? This is the clash of the titans. This is, if you like, a daily, and this can be like this one because children are expression of what it looks like for two wills to collide, for two wills to be at odds with one another. And the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is challenging that, that fundamental human attribute that we have that we call free will. Well, we'll go back to the beginning. When, who, was the very, who was the very first person, perhaps the only person, who had true free will? Who, who's the first person to have free will? It's Adam. Well, I'm going to refer to Adam and Eve as Adam for, for, for the remainder of this time. Because that's how the Bible refers to it. Oh, we know whose fault he was, don't we? <laughs> but who gets the blame? No, Adam in Scripture. Yeah, she, she gets a bit. She does get a bit. But the, the emphasis, particularly in the New Testament, it's all about him because he was meant to be the federal head. And so Adam has this free will and his wife will refer to them collectively. How does he use it? And this, this, this is where it all begins. How does Adam use his free will? Yeah, absolutely. It's not wisely. He does, he does what seems to be the case with the will. He does what comes most naturally to him. There seems to be this reality that we don't always acknowledge about free will, which we revel in so much. Adam dem demonstrated in, in Adam and Eve taking from the fruit, they demonstrated something. And remember, at what point in creation did this was this operating now? In creation, Adam and Eve have an opportunity to exercise free will in a world that is absolutely perfect. So in a world of perfection, and we, we ought to have been aware of it because it's already happened once. In a world of perfection, what has already occurred once in the celestial arena, if you like? We looked at it, we looked at it Tuesday. A rebellion and sin already. And so here, and so it's, <coughs> it's going to be something we have to accept straight away. Could <coughs> somebody give me some water? Thank you. Uh, just uh, just uh, from the kitchen would be great. Thank you. Is that right at the beginning when, when everything was perfect, Adam and Eve demonstrate something about their will so that they have free will. <laughs> Free will in a perfect environment, pre-fall, nothing, nothing clouding their judgment, you know, no sin tainting how that free will. This is a, a perfect expression of free will. What, do, what does their, their eating of that fruit reveal about free will? Thanks, Greg. Um, you know, I just said it. What does it reveal about free will? From the beginning. What do, we, what do we learn about free will from a perfect state that it is 
No, it's not. Sorry, Catherine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is what we're saying that that given free will in a perfect environment, it proves to be bias. In which direction? Yes. That's what I'm getting at. And, and, and this is a surprise. We expect that now, but this is a perfect world. What did, what did God say at the end of creation? And God saw all that he created and it was good. In that perfect environment, when God gave our first ancestors absolute perfect free will, they demonstrated that from the very beginning, it, it was always bias. Bias towards, and Pamela said the word, bias towards self. Adam and Eve reveal that it's not, the, it's not about the fruit, essentially. What occurred? I mean, what made God so angry? And this is the thing. I know we don't like to think of an angry God, but boy, is he angry. He's angry enough to cut out Adam and Eve from the will, from his will. What made him so angry as to cut them off from his will? It was because they chose to please. They used the gift he'd given them to please themselves rather than to please God. And so free will, and look, and, and this, is the, this is the capacity to which they had it, Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, the garden of Eden, to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free. This is his free will. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet, I mean, well, I guess if you look at it like this, how much free will did he have? How much, how curtailed was Adam? How much freedom did God give him? Everything. Everything. And this is the point. He was God saying, wasn't he, Adam, here's a brand new world. Go break a leg. Lay your hair down. Maybe you had long hair. You know, <laughs> have a ball. Adam, it's all yours. The fact that he was naming the animals. The <laughs> Sorry. The fact that he could exercise all this liberty. What authority, what position did Adam hold on the earth? King. King. It all, all, <laughs> all this freedom... And so within that, Adam and his wife choose, not God, but themselves. Look, we had a, we, let me show you a, a picture of our bunny. That's not, not the actual one. I, I think I have time to find it. It looked very much like that. This is where we used to live in Wales, uh, on a hillside. Um, the house on the left there, it was about three quarters of an acre which is quite a big space of land, and he's quite a small rabbit, okay? You know, he's this big on, on almost an acre of land. It was all fenced in, and so he had free roam of the property. Guess where I'd always find him? Guess where I would always find him? No, he, he, ne he never managed that, fortunately, to be a good gunner. But guess what I did find him? Always, he's, he's always there. And the gate. 
He knew the way. He knew the way in and out. He knew. He knew that was the way out. And regardless of how big this block was, bounce his name was always at the gate. It's never enough. And and so I think that's what we see with Adam because of his bias. It wouldn't have mattered how much the freedom. If God had placed a tree on the other side of the universe and said to Adam, you can't go there. Because of the bias, Adam would have been there. And here's a reality. Since Adam's, Adam and Eve's choosing, of, choosing to exercise their free will for self, every son and daughter of Adam sins has proven that they are our forefathers and that our wills, our free wills, look, to be fair to humanity, almost besides our full control, there just seems to be this endemic bias within us that from Adam till now, every one of us uses the freedom that God has given us to some extent. To please self. To almost a destruction. I mean, just in the last century, just in the last century, and we've had we've had thousands, if not millions of years since we were made, okay? Just in the last century, we've had two world wars. The second one came close eradicating humanity from the planet and since then you think it stopped there they don't even bother reporting half of the stuff on the news the only stuff we hear is the stuff that people want us to hear okay but there's wars continually going on till till now half the world is starving to death and the other half seems to have little or no liberty because of criminality. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed how much of our liberty is curtailed just so that we can exist because we're in danger from one another and all because of this thing that we glory in, that we, that we call a free will, that actually is not free at all because all it ever seems to trend us to or lead us towards is satisfying self with no or little regard for what impact it has on anyone or not even on ourselves. I mean, drugs. Those who use them know what it does to them. And so the bias for self is so strong, so paramount that we're prepared to use it to our own destruction. So free will. Free will is not all, all that is cracked up to be. It's actually a mirage. It's what we still crave. I hear that you came up in a group I was in recently. You know, I've, my free will is so important to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, do you have no idea how unfree you are? Because if we're honest, the only freedom we have is the freedom to please ourselves. And here's the danger. Here's the danger. Let me give you an, let me give you an illustration. Young driver, just learn to drive. Remember the day? It's been a while. <laughs> I wasn't looking. At, 
It was Julia. Been a while, Julia? See? Been a while? Yeah, it's been a while for me. Okay. But look, a young driver, when they get onto the road, what do they want to do? What do they want? What does a young driver want when they get behind the wheel? Yeah. That's all they want. They're not bad people. All they want is the freedom to drive as fast as they want and however they want. I mean, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? What's wrong with having freedom on the road? Why should our government legislate how we drive? Because, and, and that is the issue. You see, none of us want to come under any form of authority that challenges our free will, do we? We want to drive how we want. But here's the reality. That chap there got on the road and drove as fast as he could, as ever he wanted. Neither he nor the people around him will be here very long. And so free will, friends, ex left, left as it is, left unchecked, left to be spent on ourselves with little or no consideration for those around us and the impact it's having on our world ultimately ends in disaster. And this is where the Lord's Prayer comes in. When Jesus <laughs> leaves this prayer with his disciples, I want you to pray, he says, your will, Heavenly Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus isn't trying to curtail our fun, is he? He's not trying to put a dampener on, on, on the liberty that these dear people have. Jesus is actually wanting to bring to bear the Father's will that allows for you and for you and for you and you and you to exercise our free wills in a manner that's conducive to our longevity, the honouring of God, and, and, the, and the existence and companionship of humans on earth. This isn't about curtailing our freedom. It's about liberating us to be free. Can you see that? The, the will of our Father isn't something that's arduous. And, and look, that is what mankind did with God's law. That was the issue that Jesus dealt with when he was on earth. The Pharisees had turned it into a mechanism by which they constrained and imprisoned and curtailed the, the will, the, the genuine, authentic will of humans. No, Jesus' will, or the will of the Father, is to bring us into a true freedom. You see, when we follow the, the regulations, the state regulations or the national regulations of highway rules, no one's curtailing our freedom. Rather, the highway code is facilitating our freedom. It's facilitated, and that is, <coughs> and that's precisely what's going on here. And insofar as we pray the prayer, we're acknowledging that reality, aren't we? We're saying, "Hey, I acknowledge the the use of my free will, and I've proven it is dangerous to me, 
It's dangerous to those around me. It dishonors my creator. And ultimately will bring nothing but misery. Our Heavenly Father's will for us is something that is good. Something that brings our own wills into check so that we can enjoy the true liberty. Well, this, is, this is what it's like. Deuteronomy, 30, Deuteronomy 32. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. God's purpose, God's will, God himself is good. I think, I think praying the Lord's Prayer brings us to acknowledge that reality that God's will is a good thing. And, that, and our freedom and our will working alongside him is a good thing. True free will is only found under the canopy of our Father's perfect will. What does it look like then? Okay, so it's God's purpose and will that brings our wills to, his, to their true freedom. What does God's will look like? We wonder that all the time, don't we? We ought to. What does God's will look like? What is God's will? If this is a prayer for God's will to be done on earth, in our realm, within us, as it is in heaven, what does that look like? What is God's will? What is, well, let me put it like this. What is the perfect expression of our Heavenly Father's will? If I was asking for, if you could give me the most definitive perfect expression of the Father's will, what would you say? Pardon? Well, you can just stop at the first word will be enough, Sid. Thank you. What was your first word? Jesus. Thank you. What is the perfect expression? And are we almost, you may, you would have been forgiven for saying that. But the ultimate and perfect expression of God's will is the person of God himself. It's God. You see, God and his will are the one and the same. He is the perfect exhibitor of his will. He is the perfect expression. The thing about God, I remember this with Nixon. <laughs> President Nixon, I sound really old now, don't I? You know, from, from, from what, I, what I've encountered about him on the Watergate scandal, the reason he felt that that he could hide all that and you know and you know you know you know break the law in order to 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 do what he needed you know, to find the information he wanted to find and to keep it covered up, he felt he could break the law because do you remember? remember? Come on, Julia, you're old enough. Uh, 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 can you remember uh, what his rationale was? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> what is rational was? He was right. He was something more to it. He was the boss. Yes, that he was above the law. It's not how God works. For God, God <laughs> upholds the law. He's not above law in that sense. <coughs> Excuse me. It's why we witness in Jesus' life the perfect expression of God's will. And so, John 14, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. What is the perfect expression of God's will? It's Jesus. Moreover, Hebrews 10, he says, this is about Jesus. He says, here I am. It's written about me. I have come to do your will. So Jesus is both the expression of God's will in himself and the expression of God's will in his speech, in what he does, in how he lives. And so we're going to look at Jesus. And he said, for the reminder of our time, just very quickly, how are we doing for time? We're okay. It's only five minutes into my sermon. That gives me a good half an hour to go. So... Well, that's what the watch says, Bron. Okay, so let me show you Jesus, the perfect expression of God. Well, firstly, I want, I want us to look at how he speaks. This is the kind of stuff he said. We want to know what God's will looks like. The Beatitudes, he speaks about how our hearts, the attitude our hearts are to adopt. He speaks about the, the standard we're to exhibit to our world. He speaks about the manner in which we relate to one another. He speaks about what justice looks like, our response to the needs of others, how we relate to our Heavenly Father, the perspective we should have on temporal life. This is all taken from within the context of the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount. This perspective, the perspective we should have on temporal life, how we should safeguard our mental well-being, what authentic marks of living under the Father's will looks like, and the wisdom of, wisdom of establishing our lives on Jesus' words. What is God's will? Jesus spoke it for us. Whatever he says is an expression of God's will. What does God's will look like? What does it sound like? How do I know it? Jesus spoke it. It's every word that Jesus uttered. So it's, it's what Jesus spoke. And secondly, if he's a perfect expression of it, it's what Jesus modeled through his life. He modeled how we treat the outcast. He modeled how we are to show mercy to sinners. He modeled how we're to meet need. He modeled how we're to engage with the sick. He modeled how we're to relate to the opposite gender. He modeled how we're to relate to those who failed us. He modeled how we're, related, we're to relate to the Father. He modeled what perfectly aligns us, how we perfectly align ourselves to the Father's will. He models uh, what spiritual hypocrisy looks like. He models, well, he doesn't model, he ex expresses it. He models the remedy for our greatest plight. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our minds are going to Jesus. 
what is God's will? What, what does God's will look like? It looks like and it breathes like and it sounds like Jesus. Jesus. And so pray. We've been encouraging this through the series. Pray Jesus' prayer. Pray it every day. And insofar as we're praying it, we're acknowledging this, that the gift of free will, we've been abusing it from the beginning. The gift of free will, we can't be trusted to use it freely. And we talk about this in some of the, some of the countries beyond ourselves where, where they clearly and desperately need a regime change. But we know what happens every time there's a regime changes in these countries. What happens every single time? It just gets worse and worse and worse. And I think when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we have to acknowledge it's not just them out there, but we in here cannot be trusted to use our free wills for anything other than self-interest and harm. And so... We're calling for, and here's the thing, we're not calling for God to quash our wills. Christians aren't robots. Christians aren't people who lose all autonomy. I think we need to understand this. Christians don't become dummies. We don't become Christians and all of a sudden we now, we now lose all ability to make wise and good and godly willful choices. It's not what's happening, but rather with those who acknowledge the left of ourselves. We can never, and Adam proved it, even in a perfect scenario, never make a decision ultimately that is not anchored in some way to self. And so in praying your will be done, we're, we're coming home. With the prodigal returning and saying, Father, I can't use this gift. Well, or wisely, or properly. And so I'm praying. I'm praying, teach me to use my will in accordance with what you intended it to be used for. May your will be done in and through me and in my will. We're praying ultimately, aren't we, for that time when Jesus will return and bring his will finally to be stamped upon our world in such a way as every will and every person will do fully God's will. And so, our Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a prayer that we're to pray every day. It's a prayer acknowledging we cannot do it alone. It's a prayer acknowledging we need the Father to work through us so that we can exercise our free wills for the good, the good of ourselves, the good of our community, the good of our world, to the glory of God. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.